Welcome back to The Dad Chronicle. I'm your host. I'm Alex Albisu. This is episode 20. As always, you can go back and listen to previous episodes by visiting thedadchronicle.com. And, you know, if you like this show, give it a five-star rating on iTunes. That helps. And, uh, and you know, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. And I want to introduce everybody to an old friend of mine who's on the show. This is Andrew. Andrew Edelheit. Andrew, say hi to the nice people at home. Hey, everybody. Hey, so Andrew and I used to work together um, when you were living here in the the Washington D.C. area. Now you're yep. living up in New York uh, with your yep. lovely wife and your beautiful son. Um, what else is I mean, interesting I would, I about you? Let's well, say I wouldn't say he's necessarily beautiful. Dude, I mean, are you he's, kidding? He's, look at he's, look he's at his pretty... eyes. <laughs> look, I've already told like everybody that sees him at this point. I will admit. He, uh, he's quite the flirt, and I keep having to tell him, listen, I have your mom. Uh, I don't need any other, any other, you know, pretty girl in my life. And, and it, it's just, it's one of those things, I guess. Um, you know, they, they, they do say, um, and you'll, you'll learn this quickly as Arya gets older, um, you know, as they get older and they start, uh, they start developing a personality, uh, they, uh, they start flirting. They start, you know, being being themselves and like not being mm-hmm. afraid of anything. And, uh, yeah, Deanna may, uh, Deanna may have to start saying, Hey, uh, you know, I, I got your dad at home. Yeah. <laughs> you know, don't st- stop That's right. that kind of thing. That's right. Um, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I think that your story is a really interesting one and, and we'll kind of yeah. get into that. Um, but yeah. uh, you know, let's, let's also share a little bit more. I mean, you and I, I think yeah. hit it off really at work because we're both pretty geeky guys. Um, oh, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, familiar love of Star Trek and, uh, and video games and stuff like that. So tell the world oh, yeah. a little bit about you. Yeah. I, I grew up in the DC area. Uh, my, I grew up to a dad who does, who's been working in computers since well before I was born. Um, and, uh, you know, my mom is now a substitute teacher in Fairfax County, um, which is Northern Virginia. And, uh, yeah, I, uh, I met my wife, Stacy in, uh, the winter of 2000. We, funny thing is we actually met out in San Jose. We were part of the same international youth group. I had actually met her brother, and a really good friend of hers um, the summer before mm-hmm. on a uh, on an international youth program that it was well, in an international youth trip, I guess. It was uh, I went to Israel for six weeks and happened to meet uh, yeah again her older brother and her at that time good friend, you know, on the main street of Jerusalem. We met in in the winter of two thousand uh, like ninety nine two thousand. Okay, and uh, headed off there and dated a whole bunch of years and uh got married in uh september sorry not september that's that's when josh was born sorry uh july of 2008 just the important dates just tend to meld that's what i tend to find you know it it does um july is actually a uh, may and july are big months for stacy and i and i'll I'll get into that story in a little bit before we really jump into your experience as a father um, why don't we talk a little bit about how um, maybe your father has impacted uh, the way that you approach fatherhood? Um, so my dad, when I was a kid, I remember, you know, my dad would sh- would put on Star Trek on TV. He'd put on Battlestar Galactica, the reruns, because um, it, it was only on for one season. Uh, I remember 
the first ever Star Wars I saw was actually Empire Strikes Back. Uh, it was on TV, and I remember seeing that. I don't remember much about it from that at the time, um, but I remember that one night, you know, like it was a Saturday night movie or whatever, and they were going to show uh, Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. So at the time, Star Wars. We'll, we'll just call it that, Star Wars. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my dad ended up taping it for me. And I pretty damn well near wore out that tape. Uh, <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, it, 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 you know, I, I must have been like five or six, and I wanted to be Luke Skywalker in the worst way because you know he had the really cool laser sword at the time. Again, I, I thought it was a lightsaber. Oh, and dude, I, I everybody did. I mean, I, I absolutely had that too. Well, like I, I knew it was light, but I kept thinking it was a saver. Yeah. So you, you know, so I'm like okay um <laughs> you know but then later on you know we by chance had hbo for a bit and that was the first i think that was the first time i may have seen return of the jedi on uh, on hbo and you know from there i just i fell in love with star wars my, my father and my mom kind of embraced the fact that i was becoming a nerd you know um my dad uh, i didn't really i wasn't into sports as a kid like i, I wanted to do little leagues i thought i was being kind of you know, very social but um, I, I could not hit a ball at all. And my catching skills were, um, I think a good analogy would be if the mouse was trying to catch the cat, uh, <laughs> okay. that, that, that would be the best analogy for me trying to catch a baseball. Um, I spent more time, I spent more time, uh, with my nose down in the dirt you know, like playing in the dirt and all that than I did trying to actually head up in the, in the sky and all that. Uh, you know, but my, my dad was, uh, you know, I remember sitting on my dad's lap and he was having to work uh, at night one night and um, he had me chatting with a friend of his. This is before the internet was really a big thing. This is back during ARPANET. And so I'm sitting on my dad's lap and he's talking to his coworker, chatting with him, like actually chatting with him real time and I thought this was the coolest thing ever. You know, so at like the age of three, I have a Commodore 64 keyboard. I didn't have the entire setup, just the keyboard plugged in via, uh, I want to say, I, I think it was coax maybe, uh, into an old, you know, dial driven TV. Those things actually existed. I can, mm -hmm. I can vouch for that. And he's teaching me how to program in basic to have my name bouncing across the screen at the age of three. Oh, that's cool. So, the, yeah. yeah, I mean, technology and that, and you and I worked for a technology company years ago, and, and that's really where we met. Technology, I would agree with you, has been a huge impact on my life. And, and it sounds like you and I have very similar backgrounds in that case, because my dad did the same thing with me, you know, sit down and, and show me how, like, the insides of the computer work. And, and you get a very, mm -hmm. like, when, when that has such a deep-rooted um, influence in your life you can't help but be influenced by stuff like star wars and and star trek oh, yeah. and stuff like that because it it just all kind of naturally melts technology does oh, that. yeah yeah i mean like you know again as a kid you know we all saw like the phasers and star trek and the teleporter and we're like oh man wouldn't those be cool you know to have and then when the cell phones first came out like looking the, the, the legitimate like motorola cell phones and you see these things you sit there going man you know star trek is real yeah we're gonna flip. go to other planets and yeah. all that you know hell yeah and now he, yeah and now here we are we're talking about actually going to mars mm-hmm 
we got yeah, Elon like, Musk, you know, doing his thing over there with the with the, with the SpaceX, and because I guess oh, yeah. NASA can't do it, and so we gotta let Elon Musk do his thing, and, and we're gonna be on Mars soon. Like, it's gonna be oh, yeah. cool. It's happening. I mean, we hope so. We yeah. hope so. You know. So, you like, know, I think yeah. what's really cool, um, and you and I have talked about this in the past. In fact, you did some um, writing for the Geek 30 Happy Hour blog um, about yeah. being a geeky dad and yeah. um, how you try to instill and influence um, the the things that you're passionate about to your son, uh, Joshua. Now, do you want to yeah. share a little bit about how you do that? Like just maybe a quick overview of, of some of the stuff that you've talked about? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, so – well, I may not have been good at sports as a kid. I, I didn't really enjoy them until I got to be an adult. And I, I'll be honest, I, even living in DC, I wasn't, I wasn't that big into sports. You know, everybody was all about the Redskins and the, the, the nationals and the capitals. And I'm sitting there like, uh, I've got my nose in a book or I'm sitting playing games on a computer or on a console, something like that. Or I was even playing D and D that kind of thing. And I move up to New York, and I had easy access to being able to go to like see the New York Islanders play. I lived like not even ten minutes from there. Right. It was more difficult to go see, you know, to go see uh, the Caps play, or or to go see the, the Skins play, or you know, I grew up actually watching the Orioles play because you know the na- the, the Nationals were the Expos. Exactly. And before that, they were the, and before that they were the Senators. Yep. So I was in that in between between you know the Senators and well, I was I was in the in between phase, so I was when the Nationals were the Expos. So you know, the closest team was the Orioles. But so you know, again, I didn't really grow up really liking baseball or you know really any sport. But then moving up here, I got it was just so much easier to have access to these different sports, and I made friends with people who started going to you know who enjoyed going to see the New York Mets play or going to see uh, the Islanders play. And so because of that. You know, getting tickets to see an Islanders game was relatively cheap, and while they moved to the bar- to the uh, Barclays Center, it made it more difficult to take Josh. We haven't even taken him yet, but uh, before the age of a year old, he's already seen two Mets games at City Field. That's cool, and that's got to be a great memory. It, it is. I mean, he his first game, we've got pictures of it. He was smiling, he had a great time. Everybody loved seeing this little you know this little boy there for the first time. He was excited about hearing the crack of the bat and everything. Um, so that's, you know, that's for sports for gaming. Like he, when I would have my, my best friends over, um, you know, the first game he actually watched my best friends and I play was the most recent star Wars battlefront. And he's hearing the laser blasts and everything. He's smiling. He's turning back. He's sitting in his chair, you know, like calmly watching all this stuff going on. And he's seeing the lightsaber of like Luke Skywalker or Darth Vader go up. Right, and he's just smiling, and he's looking back at us, and he's trying to grab at the controllers to play with us, you know, that kind of thing. So that that made me feel good. That game did something special, I think, for a lot of people with Star. You know, like you were basically in a Star Wars universe for the first time in like a really um, intimate way. So that that game, I to- I totally get that, and that's so cool that he's experiencing that appreciation at such a young age. Oh yeah, and you know he's he's now watched several episodes of uh, of Star Wars Rebels, the, the first season. The, the seasons after that get a little dark. Yeah, they do. Um, yeah, yeah, they, they really do. Uh, so I'm not going to show him those yet. Um, but you know, like, so there's that. But then, by chance, um, 
my wife, Stacy, were was looking at books and she saw she knew I was a DC comics fan. Like I love comic books, uh, you know, whether it's Image, Valiant, Marvel, DC, um, you know, Oni Press, what have you. I I've always been like drawn to DC. I always liked the DC uh, stories more, the characters more. And so by chance, she happened to find these these kids books about dc comics you know mm-hmm. like and they're the different characters so it's like you know there's like shapes and colors there's abc's one two threes there's a super really? there's all this stuff oh yeah yeah I'll, they're, they're they're fantastic i need um, i need these yeah i i will i will i will give you the link you know later if you'd like yeah. uh so we started reading them to them and every night before bed, we read this one uh, superhero book, and it's it's even superheroes need sleep, and it's a very kind of calming book. It starts off with Batman, where he you know it's like you know Batman you know goes around Gotham City saving people, but even he needs to rest his mind to keep it sharp and focused. Good night, Batman, mm-hmm. and and it goes through like several different characters, and. At this point, his, one of his favorite words is bubble. And anytime you turn, it's the last hero in the book, and it's Aquaman. Oh, and yeah. everybody, everybody kind of, you know, every kind of dump, everybody dumps on Aquaman. But <laughs> the fact is that Aquaman is actually a pretty kick-ass character. Yeah. And uh, he sees the bubbles around Aquaman, and he just goes, he points at them and goes, bubble. Oh, and he looks forward to that. He looks forward to that. And then at the end, uh, we started, Stacy started this by chance. The the last lines of the book are, um, it's time to go to bed. Good night, superheroes, big and small. And when she would say big, or when I would say big, she would take his arms and stretch them out wide to say big. Uh-huh. And then to say small, she would kind of wind them in on himself, you know? Right. And one night, I get to this point, and she's not, you know, she's not doing it to him. And I say, good night, superheroes, big. And he stretches his arms wide. I'm like, oh, God, that's is he doing best. this? And I said, and small. And he wraps him around. So I'm like, oh, my God, he just did this. It was the coolest thing ever. Um, but, like, he, we read these other superhero books, like the other DC, the DC comic books. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's cool. It's cool that, like, you know, he's learning the appreciation, first of all, for, you know, DC uh, comics, which is awesome. But he's also, um, you know, learning some general motor skills and understanding of what big and small mean like that that is it's cool to have that correlation with the um with stuff that you're passionate about and being able to bring that into uh josh's life at you know at a level that he's able to understand comprehend and appreciate as well i think that's really cool yeah one of his favorite books is actually it's my first superman book and one of the last pages is Crypto the Superdog. And it's a touch and feel book. So Crypto is fuzzy. So he flips through the book trying to find Crypto. And when he finds it, he stops and he takes his hand and starts rubbing the fuzzy and he just smiles. Aww. You know, it's, it's, it's those kind of things. He, he's realizing where and what points things are in terms of like the books and such. So it's just, again, it's really cool to see how his mind is working and putting it all together. And yeah. it's, it's, it's awesome. It's, you know, like we don't think about it uh-huh. as, you know, as adults. Like we don't think like we walk, you know, 
every all the time. We run. We Every yeah. We, everything yeah, is new to him. Everything right, is. Like, yeah. And when he does these new things, you you sit there and you go, "Wow." Mm-hmm. That was difficult for him, and I yeah. take it for granted now. I love it, man, and and I love seeing you know I you do the little live videos of you guys eating lunch and some stuff like that. But uh, yeah, you know, I, yeah, I, I haven't love done that in a the, while, actually. Yeah, yeah, I love seeing the relationship that you guys have built, and um, you know, I think uh, what what I'd like to talk a little bit more about is mm-hmm. um, Jordan. Um, sure. Can yeah. you share? Jordan's story and how that's kind of shaped you and Stacy, um, and how you guys approach uh, your parenting. Yeah. Um, so Josh was not our first child. Um, Stacy and I, we were lucky enough that we had our first child, uh, Jordan. It was uh, May 29th, 2014. He was born at 12:59 PM. He was, Six, uh, six pounds, seven ounces. Sorry, six pounds, five ounces. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Sorry. And you know, he was the perfect little boy. You know, Stacy's pregnancy, you couldn't have asked for anything better. It was, it was really, it, it really was, you know, just an easy pregnancy for her. Everything was going perfectly. You know, when we found out that we were having a little boy, it was just this, this amazing, amazing thing. I was excited. You know, she was excited. And he, you know, he came to our lives, hairiest baby in the world. <laughs> uh, I mean, we're talking hair that I think the hair metal bands would have looked at it and gone, "Wow, how can we get he that?" Did. You know, that yeah. Kind of thing. I know. I saw I saw uh, that picture of him, and I was like, "Wow!" Like Arya has a lot of hair, yeah. but I felt like he had more hair than her. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like he he was born, and he looked like this this almost like a troll with how much hair he had. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, he, he's what made me a dad. You know, mm-hmm. Josh. You know, like Josh and Jordan made me you know a dad. But like this first experience with holding my own child you know as you know and as every parent out there knows there's nothing like it you know you hold your child for the first time and that's it everything about you it it, it, it's it's almost like a switch in your head has just flipped yeah i would agree with that you, you you lose that selfishness and everything and holding jordan for that first time was the most amazing thing ever and everything was going fantastically you know, he was, he was having some problems gaining weight, at, you know, and, uh, we kept seeing the doctor about it and going back and going back and going back. And, um, it was July 14th. Uh, it was actually the day after Stacy's and my anniversary. Mm-hmm. So we got married on July 13th. She was, uh, she was still on maternity leave. We, we had done dinner that night on um, 13th out Mm -hmm. and jordan was at my in-laws for the night and so we decided you know it's better that we go back to my in-laws and sleep there that night just because you know i had to be at work the next morning and you know all kinds of things like that i left for work i had to be at work at uh like 9 15 we're in the middle we're in the morning the middle the morning meeting yeah i'm sure you remember those yeah and my phone starts going crazy and i'm like i'm declining the call declining the call and then i look at who the call is and i see it's my father-in-law i'm like my father-in-law never calls me right and the, the doors are about to open 
and I quick take the call. I'm like, you know, what's going on? I, you know, I'm, I'm at work. And my father-in-law says, Jordan's in the hospital. You need to come here. And I immediately said to my, I immediately was like, okay, is everything okay? He goes, you need to come to the hospital. I said, okay. So I immediately went to my, my manager. I'm like, listen, this is what's going, you know, this is all I know right now. And the manager says, get out of here, go. I'm like, okay. I get to the hospital and I go to the, uh, the pediatric emergency room and, uh, I find out Stacy's in one room and Jordan is hooked up to all kinds of tubes and everything. Mm-hmm. And I ask Stacy, I go into the room where Stacy is and I ask her what happened. And she's in tears. She tells me that she was feeding Jordan and she thought he fell asleep and she pulled him away from her and she saw blood, or, blood under his nose. Hmm. They called 911. They were able to resuscitate him and get him breathing again on his own. They get him to the hospital. And uh, he was in the hospital from July 14th until he passed away at 4.44 in the morning on July 20th. Mm. And we were there every day, the entire step of the way. Yeah. And... um you know, we, we had to make a really hard decision. Well, we, we were like, we, we had to try to make a decision. Like we weren't sure if, you know, if we were to let him, if we were to keep him, you know, on life support and all that, would that be making it selfish for us? Because they were saying there wasn't that much brain activity there, things like that. They did, you know, EKG, everything. I started seeing that the nurses were coming in more often to take blood. Mm-hmm. And I finally asked one of the nurses, I'm like, I'm just curious, what's his blood sugar level at? And she goes, it's this. And I go, okay, so how much insulin are you pushing? And she goes, he was taking 100 milligrams or whatever, and now he's taking 150, or like 100, 100 cc's. I'm not sure what the value was. Like that part was a blur to me. Yeah. And that's when I realized when she said that they had to up the amount. And I looked at, I looked at the nurse and I said, can you tell me honestly? I know you, you know you as the nurse, you're not really supposed to tell me this, but, you know, from a logical and a scientific standpoint, the fact that you're having to push more is that an indication that his that his kidney is failing, or, or that you know that he's having some kind of you know organ failure? And she right. goes, she goes, uh, yeah, yeah, it is. And she, when the nurse told me that, and Stacy was awake there too, we realized that Jordan had made the decision for us. You know, he he was he was braver than us that. He could make the decision and say, listen, I am in pain. I can't have my parents make the decision for me. Yeah, that's that's incredibly hard. And I, I could imagine, I mean, you guys probably, I mean, you you were there for what, four days? I mean, you're, you're no, dealing. longer, longer. So you said, in, oh, sorry. July 14th and oh, then he passed away on the 20th. Yes, so longer than that, almost we were a there week. For, we were, we were there for about a week, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I mean that's a tremendous amount of time to to ponder and consider all options. You know, I yeah. I don't envy you, my friend. That is got to be like one of the hardest things anybody has ever had to do in their life. You know, and, and this this is going to sound kind of weird to say, but when he did pass, you know, I I didn't really cry much at that point. I I, I didn't. I couldn't. It wasn't, and that was on a Sunday. And you know, in we're Jewish, and in, in Jewish tradition, you you know, you bury the dead the next day. Right. It didn't hit me until I saw his uh, 
his, his wooden casket. And it was this, it was this small thing, no bigger than like a long suitcase that's made of wood. Right. And I saw that and I fell apart. Yeah. And my fa- my father, my father-in-law picked me up and I'm seeing someone else carry, carry the, you know, carry his casket or his, his coffin. And I stopped the person carrying it. And I said, I have to do this. I have to carry my son one last time. Right. And so I took it myself and I, I carried him. Uh, I carried him to, uh, to the resting place. Yeah. That's, that's incredibly sad. How many years passed until Joshua was born? Josh was, so this was, this was July of 2014 Josh was born in September 2015. So it was just, it was almost, it was about a year and what, a year and two months, mm-hmm. not even two months actually, mm-hmm. uh, that Josh was born after. And, and, and like one of, one of the worst things, and it kind of capped it all off, but this, this is just kind of really kind of disappointing. And it's not so much disappointing in, in the, you know, in, in all that happened. It just, it kind of capped off everything that, that happened on the day of his funeral. And that was that we're getting back into the cars. And by the way, like everybody that I, I was working with, mm-hmm. um, you know, in, in the store, um, they knew, they knew me, they knew how excited I was to be a dad. I kept showing off pictures of Jordan and everything. And it was like a couple of days after Jordan went into the hospital that I went back to the store um i asked if i could speak to a couple of managers and i said can we speak privately and i told them what happened and i and they said should we can we tell the story i said that that's fine you know because any support that i can get i appreciate it and almost everybody from my store the entire management team except for like maybe two people were at the funeral wow um a good number of my uh of my colleagues came to the funeral you know those that couldn't make it to the hospital to you know, to see Jordan and to see me and to see Stacy, um, mm-hmm. you know, they came to the funeral and, um, you know, like the, the sad thing about it all and what kind of really, you know, you, you do want to talk about irony, right? Mm-hmm. You put together Arya's crib, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you, you did that, like whether you did it with your dad or whatever, but you did that, right? right. Yep. Okay. You know, that's like a, an achievement, of father of, of fatherhood, you know, you're putting together where your child is going to be sleeping. We hadn't gotten Jordan's furniture in yet. And we're getting back in the cars. And I get a call. I have no idea what the number is. And I, I pick up the phone. I'm like, hello. And I said, oh, hi, this is so-and-so from this, from the store where we bought the furniture. I'm just like, yeah, the furniture is in. And I'm like, oh. Oh, God. Like, that's. That's, that's great. <laughs> oh, know? my God. How ironic. Yeah. What did they do you know, with the furniture? Did you end up holding on to it, or, like, what happened? So, I don't remember who did it, but one of our close family friends, they ended up, or it may have even been Stacy. I don't remember. I know I didn't do it. They called up the store, and they asked to speak to the manager. And they explained to the manager about what happened. Mm-hmm. And the manager said, we will keep it on hold for you. When you are ready for it, you let us know. Wow. So Yeah. So we had his furniture. We had Jordan's furniture sitting in 
the store's warehouse, which is directly connected to the shop, we had it sitting there for over a year. Uh, no, no, that's not true. That's not true. It was pretty close to a year. Yeah. Because we were going to go over and we were trying to figure out, okay, you know, we were ready to get the furniture, ready to go. You know, when, you know, when we were getting uh, Josh's bedroom set up and uh, we realized that we wanted um we wanted the nightstand for the set uh-huh so we, so we called him up and we called the store and like hey yeah we want to actually order an extra piece we know it's going to take longer and that's fine you know we're, we're cool with that and we find out that the the color for the set that we wanted they actually had discontinued that color because they could never get it to match on every piece of furniture oh okay so we said okay um, what can we do about this? And they said, well, if you want to come in and you want to take a look at the colors, you let us know. I said, okay. So we go in, we take a look and we choose, we do, we do choose a different color. And, um, you know, we, we ended up ordering, exchanging the order and they're like, yeah, somebody else will buy it. It's not a big deal. And we got the extra piece. So, you know, it all ended up working out in the end. That's really great that they um, were working with you on that. Oh yeah. Like when we walked in and we, we told them our name and all that, the manager came to us and said, yeah, let us know if there's anything we can do. Yeah, that's really, really awesome. So I'm glad to hear, you know, it's I have have a firm belief that God doesn't give you anything that you can't handle. And, you know, here you are a a year after something incredibly tragic. um, Mm -hmm. You have, you know, I'm not going to say beautiful because, you know, (laughs) he is a handsome, uh, you know, still a stunning looking baby. Uh, But you guys are, are truly blessed with you know, having gone through this experience here, you are stronger on the other side. When I think about the fathers who listen to this show and Mm -hmm. parents in general who listen to this show, Mm -hmm. I want them to feel some sense of understanding on how they would be able to come out on the other end of something like this, if this was to happen to them, or even if something has happened to them and they're still trying to work their way through that tragedy, what sort of words of wisdom would you give to somebody experiencing that? Um, uh, first of all, there's a couple, um, you know, a lot of people, like after something like this happens, you know, um, a lot of people will actually say to you, you know, well, you know, God has a reason or something like that. And I mean, I got to tell you when you lose a child, all right, you know, lo- losing a, losing a family member, you know, who's lived a, a long and, you know, an experienced life, you know, something truly amazing. Right. Um, you know, for them, I can understand why you would say something like this, but to a parent who's lost a child, it doesn't matter if it's from a miscarriage. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, like when we lost Jordan, it doesn't matter if the child was 20 years old, got into an accident and, and passed away because of that. Mm-hmm. Never, ever, ever say that there was a reason that this happened. You know, mm-hmm. never, ever, ever say that, you know, that God has a reason for this, because I'll tell you right now, there's no reason. There isn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I mentioned already that, you know, I'm Jewish. I actually questioned my belief in any kind of deity whatsoever, because what kind of monster, I, and this is sound weird, this sounds, this sounds weird, but I think Stephen Fry said this best. What kind of God would create 
cancer for children, you know, that kind of thing. And it's not to say that, you know, I'm an atheist. It's not to say I'm agnostic or anything like that, because, no, I am Jewish. You know, I still I still firmly believe in Judaism. But it took me a long time to kind of come back from that. I don't blame you. You know, um, yeah. So if, if if someone says to you, you know, that, you know, God has a reason for doing this. I'm sorry. F you. That is not the right thing to say. Agreed. No, it, no, it's not. I mean, because there is nothing to say. No, there, there, there is, there is absolutely no reason for this to happen. And you know, so there's that. Um, if you know someone, if if a friend of yours or a family member of yours loses a child, the best thing you can do for them is just to be there for them. You know, yeah. ask them. You know, don't when they are ready to speak. They will speak. Mm-hmm. Just being there for them means so much more than trying to say something. Right. In a case like this. Right. The other thing I would say is that, you know, when it comes to going through this experience, what got me through it actually, um, first of all, was therapy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a lot of therapy. Um, and I will tell you that. So in Judaism, you know, we have the week after the death and, and the, the burial of the family member. Mm-hmm. You have the seven. You have the seven day period called Shiva. And I will tell you right now, um, I don't remember much about it. I don't remember who really came or anything like that. I remember certain people came because they were like my closest friends, and I remember like several of my coworkers came. But I spent the majority of it um, in a drunken haze. I, I was, I was drunk pretty much every day. I will not, yeah. I will not, I, I'm not afraid to admit it because it was that kind of, I didn't intend to kind of numb myself to it like that, but it, it helped mm-hmm. in a way, you know, yeah. as, as horrible as it sounds, you know, I don't recommend you know, spending a week in a drunken haze. I will tell you that right now. I do not recommend it. Worst idea ever. Uh, not only for your weight, um, but just overall, but, uh, it actually allowed me to be more open, you know, with my feelings. And I think I, I kind of needed that. There are no words for what happens. There's no way to explain it. We still don't know how or why it happened. Um, but what I can tell you is that when, when you make it known, or if you decide to make it known that this kind of thing has happened to you, there is several things that you find out. Number one, um, you either come out of this experience one way or the other with your with your significant other. Either A, you go stronger from it, and you, you, you get closer, mm-hmm. and you cling to each other for that support. And you actually get stronger because of it. You, know, you become you know, an amazing, almost like a power couple in a way. But the other side is that the couple is so devastated mm-hmm. that they just shatter. Mm-hmm. And and there there's no coming back from that. And again, when you do lose a child, um, mm-hmm. they're they're actually through Reddit, funny enough, um, and then through word of mouth uh, on Reddit, there is a subreddit called r slash baby loss and r slash child loss, where you can reach out to there for support. But you also find out that there's actually this community. You know, like when when our parents 
were getting pregnant with with us and our siblings and all that, if there was a child loss, you, you never talked about it, mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. Um, it was taboo. Like, yeah, you just wouldn't oh, yeah. bring it up. Yeah, no, you, you wouldn't. It, you, it just didn't happen. It was almost like they were forgotten about. Yeah, and, and I think what's really interesting that the internet has embraced a a need and a willingness for people to be vulnerable, which helps in a lot of ways, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but because of, you know, again, whether it's through the internet, through word of mouth, and just being a little more open about it, because, you know, people started writing about us. Like, and we, we started getting like, the kind of support that we were getting. Mm-hmm. I think after all this happened, we had mentioned, we posted about it on Facebook. We had over a thousand people reach out to us from like all over the world. And what we realized is that while Jordan wasn't with us, he gave us this message that, you know, it doesn't matter what walk of life you're in. His purpose for being here was to bring people together. Mm -hmm. And that kind of gave me this, this hope and this will to move forward because of that. Um, So, you know, because of that, we, we started reaching out. We started talking about our story, things like that. Stacey and I have actually spoken to uh, classes at, uh, I want to say it's Yeshiva University here in New York, actually. Mm-hmm. We, we, we were invited by um, a friend of ours who's a psychologist to speak about our experiences, to be able to teach rabbinic, you know, rabbinic students how to approach this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like here we were, we were giving a real life situation. This was our story. Right. You know, it's that kind of, it's that kind of thing. And, but because of that, um, we've become part of this community, whether we like it or not. And this community tends to be one of the most loving, one of the most outreaching and supportive communities that you could ever ask for after such a tragedy has happened. And, and just the fact that you're sharing your story here on this show, uh, you know, on, on this podcast, it's going to reach more people who will likely – um, find it valuable for their own situation. So, you know, I, I truly do appreciate you sharing this. Uh, it, it's not fun to recount stuff like this, but, you know, you, you don't know the way that you can impact people's lives um, until you uh, you have an ability to share your own experience and, and help them through a, a potential similar situation, you know? Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, so I, I appreciate you taking the time to, you know, share that and, um, you know, you and, and Josh and Stacy look awesome and keep posting pictures because I love seeing the kid going to, you know, not, not to say that, that I'm a Mets fan because I'm a Nats fan and, you know, I, it upsets me that you guys are going to Mets games and rooting for the Mets, but you know, that, that's fine. That's fine. And everything, I guess. Look, you, look, look, you just enjoy sitting in your first place spot in the national <laughs> league. All right. <laughs> you know, look, we, we Mets fans, we are underdogs through and through. We suck it up. We deal with it. We move on and we talk about how crappy our team is this year, but next year they'll be awesome. And we know next year they're not going to be awesome. See, that's not the point. You know what? You say that you, uh, you don't appreciate DC sports, but here you are acting like a Redskins fan. Well, I'm also a Jets fan, so oh, okay, I'm more I'm more well aware of this entire situation <laughs> than you think. <laughs> fair enough, dude. Well, hey, yeah. anytime you're you're back in DC, you hit us up. We would love to grab dinner and 
um, and maybe show you around Nationals Park or something. And uh, when the net, oh, when oh the don't get me wrong, I, I, I don't, don't get me wrong. I've been to Nationals Park. I've been uh-huh. to Nationals Park. It's it's honestly a beautiful park. Um, but uh, you know, this, this is going to sound kind of like uh, heretical in this case. You know, but being in the D.C. area, I got to tell you, Camden is a more beautiful park. Oh, I, hey, no argument there. Actually, I, I can't because I grew up a, an Orioles fan until the the Nats came, and then you know, and then I switched. Oh, so sides. you're one of those traders. I am. Oh yeah, absolutely. As soon as my dad bought season tickets, I was like, heck yeah, all about these <laughs> Nats. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, anytime you're in town, my man, uh, we would love to catch up with you. And uh, again, really appreciate you sharing your story with us here on the Dad Chronicle, um, and uh, g- give our best to uh, Stacy and your son, okay? I definitely will. All right, man. Thanks again. All right. No problem. Thanks, guys. See ya. If you like this show, check out more great content at incastmedianetwork.com.